and I am live streaming today on this pop-up live stream with Nimsy Insight, and I am joined today by my colleague, Hannah Lesky. Um, welcome, Hannah. This will be your first, uh, your first public debut, I would say, with Nimsy, is it not? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, first um, live stream, at least, that I've ever done. So... <laughs> Well, yeah. well, good. And it's perfect timing. And I just brought your levels up a little bit. It's perfect timing because you are working on a report um, in, for on the Australian Indigenous languages. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And it is Friday in Australia. So I think this is probably going to be one of the last things that you do today. Hopefully this is going to be one of the last things that you do today. Yeah, it's, it's about midday, so I've got a bit of time left. But yeah, it's looking forward to the weekend. <laughs> 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 yeah, so I've yeah recently looked at uh, Indigenous languages in Australia. It's sort of part of a um, larger report that I'll be looking into hopefully um, about the LSP industry in Australia, um, but that one sort of just started. So I started out um, sort of like a personal interest more than anything um, about the Indigenous languages and the um, interpreting and translation services available in Australia. Um, and, yes, yeah, so I've just, just written up a bit of a... Um, report about that so it should be um released on nimsy i reckon in the coming month or so so um who knows who knows <laughs> all, all we need is a client to want to pay money for it and that'll get prioritized right away <laughs> yeah, think. Exactly. But it's coming it's coming soon well let's uh let's let's dive right into it shall we we've got it all queued up here oh and of course i'm on the wrong screen though i don't want to start here i want to start let's try this again here bam <laughs> No, it's not going to let me do that either. All right. What is this? What is this mess of colors on my screen here? So, so this is a, it's probably the most common map that we see um, of Indigenous languages in Australia. Um, and it's, it should I just put it up there because it shows the huge range of languages that there are. So I think it, there was estimated to be some like 300 languages or um, languages and dialects um, before white settlement in Australia. Um, and this shows sort of like the, I think most of those languages and based on the different regions and language groups. Um, now, obviously, there's less languages spoken um, and that was sort of part of what my research focused on. Uh, but that, so that's what that map is. Um, that so shows all the of those groups. 300, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but of those 300, about how many are, are left today? I think the last estimated number was based on the census in 2016, and that was about 175 that are mm. still spoken. Okay. Um, and but of that, so it's it's difficult to get these numbers because a lot of so like the census can it can be difficult to access some of the indigenous communities sort of in Central Australia and that mm. sort of thing. But um, but yeah, so the numbers that they got from that, I think the largest language group had uh, 4,000 and something languages. Uh, speakers, sorry, um, and then the, the average number of speakers per language was more like 180. Um, so there was, yeah, a lot really? of language, very, very few really? speakers. Yeah, yeah, and you know, but I've never the um, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna put you on the spot and ask this, but I need to know this. I'm sorry, it's been a long day, I've been doing this for 12 hours now. But the in, endangered alphabets initiative have has Renato sent that over to you at any point? No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, we need to get you in touch with. And I, and the name is escaping me. I'm sorry. I'm going to find out 
who you are <laughs> and tag you in the comments so that you can go make fun of me. Um, but yeah, it's this initiative to sh sh save endangered scripts. I mean, it's more talking about yeah. alphabets around the world. And what we're talking about yeah, today yeah. Is, is a little bit different because we're talking about spoken languages. Um, yeah. And I don't know if, if you, you want me to go to any of these slides, you just kick me and, and I can go yeah, from slide okay. to slide. Yeah. So, yes. This this was sort of what I was just saying on that the last bit. Mm -hmm. So just the number of speakers has has dropped, and so it's. I suppose my interest was sparked initially. I'm not sure if this is relevant to what we're necessarily discussing, but my interest was sparked because um, the number of Indigenous speakers is is so few, um, and they're so predominantly. There's a whole lot of endangered languages in the world, but disproportionately they are Indigenous languages of like colonized or post-colonial post countries um, and a lot of that's due to and this is true all over the world you've got America and there's there's all sorts of places where where this is the case but um, obviously col colonial settlers came in and basically just wanted to wipe out indigenous populations more or less um, so and it's, so it's, this is your white guilt driving this this research project I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be on board with that little, yeah. I suppose a little bit yeah there is definitely still um, a, a gap in in Australia um, between uh, you know I suppose white people and yeah, I'll, indigenous people. But. I'll, I'll just put you on screen here while I deal with my child that just walked in the room here. <laughs> there um, yeah, but I suppose yeah that was where the interest was driven from. Um, and then when I started looking into it, it really struck me that a lot of the language service providers in Australia tend not to either offer Indigenous language interpreting or advertise that they do it. Um, and this might be jumping ahead a bit because I think we're going to get to this later on. Um, but yeah, that was sort of then where I went from. Um, and that's, I, I don't want to necessarily claim to be an expert on that by any means no yeah like full, full disclaimer this is this is just a little research project this is not we do not claim to be experts on aboriginal languages um what we are is fascinated by language fascinated by culture mm. and very fortunate to have a job where we can where we can talk yeah. about this kind of stuff yeah well i was so lucky that this was basically the the last you know, week or so for me was just looking into this, which was, you know, just something that I was really interested in. So, um, yeah, so this um, this graph is the the list of the most spoken languages, so the, the 10 most spoken I think I've got up there. Um, and you can see, so the number one is 4,000 and something speakers, I think it's 4,300 or something, um, right down to the last one there, which is 990, I think it was. Um, and that's obviously in 2016, so the numbers will have changed since then. Mm -hmm. um, but it is worth pointing out that there are, so there's also two uh, Creoles, um, which generally have more speakers. So I think I think one of them is actually called Creole and has about 7,000 speakers, and that's the, <laughs> yeah, spelt differently. Um, yeah, I was going to say, there's like, there's got to be like 100 languages in the world that are called Creole. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, it's just yeah. like what they're called, depending upon the region. So. Yeah. Yeah. So Australia's claimed one of those. Um, but I've tended not to include them in this just because they're not considered traditional Indigenous languages. And I also just a quick note for anyone. I'm not sure how much people know about Australian Indigenous culture. When I say Indigenous, that covers Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people. So we don't like to say. I, I was going to ask. Yeah. I, I was going to yeah, ask. 
Aboriginal uh, is mainland Australian okay. peoples um, and Torres Strait Islanders is sort of up in the north okay. coast of Australia. Um, but generally when we say Indigenous and it's capitalised, um, that's encompassing the whole group of of Indigenous languages and peoples and cultures. These yeah. fun facts and more in the upcoming report yeah. from, from Hannah Lesky here. Uh, and I'm, hey, I'm smirking because like, I just love learning stuff like this. And this is not rehearsed, right? I conned Hannah into doing this with me yesterday. Um, so I'm learning along with you if you're watching along at home. Uh, let's go on to the next little tidbit that you got for us here. Yeah, cool. Right. So that... And th this is no way, wait, no, we, we got a better one than this here. Bam. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that I, again, stood out to me personally. So um, for, again, for anyone watching along at home who doesn't, is an Australian. Um, Centrelink is our version of like welfare. I suppose. I think you call it welfare in the States. Yeah. We call um, it many things depending upon. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those terms. It's like, you know, there's how the, Eskimos have a lot of words for snow or the Inuits, I think we're called now. Yes. Um, we Americans have a lot of terms for welfare, <laughs> depending yeah. upon how, because it's such a politically charged thing. But yeah, yeah. it's called welfare. Yes. Yeah. So this is, so Centrelink is our welfare system. And this is just, uh, it's probably unfair of me to pinpoint them necessarily, but um, it, it caught, <laughs> caught my attention because it is accessed, you know, disproportionately by Indigenous peoples. Um, and it really surprised me, I suppose, maybe before I did some more digging, that there's no written translated documents on the Centrelink website in any Indigenous languages. So yeah. not in any Creoles, not in, you know, the largest ones, not in any of the ones that are spoken in Canberra or, you know, like any of the, there's nothing. Um, there's a small note on on one page that I could find that basically said Indigenous interpreters are available, um, but I think you have to book it. And if you don't have the knowledge to get to that site and if you don't have the English capacity to understand that really small note, you've, you've basically got no language help there, um, which I thought was just hugely unfair given that that's the you know, a lot of the people who need to use the services that they provide. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's not something unique to Australia by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Right. We, um, like, like here, here in the States too, we have, you know, regulations, laws about who should get interpreting services. Like interpreting services are a right for a yeah. lot of different things in a lot of different situations. And yeah. not only that, it's like, there's laws that you have to make people aware that it's their right because if you don't know it's your right then yeah. you're not going to take advantage of it so you go to any hospital and there will be like this big bilingual poster with you know 20 different languages that says did you know that you have the right to ask for an interpreter right so yeah. it's that kind of thing um and a lot of a lot of companies, um, a lot of governments, local, you know, at different levels, they're under a mandate to provide language services, but it's really sketchy, not sketchy, it's really not clearly defined, like, how they need to. So it's yeah. like, by the letter, by how the laws are written, it's, they could, they could probably just get away with using machine translation, right? Or, oh, or, yeah, yeah. That's true. And I, I wonder how many of them do. They're, this is very off topic, actually. Well, 
not entirely, but I, I like I'll say going anyway. off topic. It's cool. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, on, on the machine translation note, and I don't know if this was a case of machine translation, but last year with, you know, COVID and everything in Australia, Melbourne, um, people may have heard about this. Melbourne had a particularly bad by Australian standards um, case or outbreak of COVID. Uh, and yeah. a lot of uh, that. Last year, was, last year was not Australia's year. Last year was not oh, the world's yeah. year. It was not the world's year. I think Australia, I mean, I mean you guys like burnt down to the grounds. Like, I, like the rest of the world just saw like pictures of like crying koala bears. And it was just, everyone was like, oh, you know, everyone was going through some shit, but yeah. at least it wasn't as, as bad as Australia. So thank you for, <laughs> for making us all feel a little bit, but no, I, I, I joke. But, well, I mean, I'm glad that you see it that way because I think we were pretty lucky last year. I mean, yeah. you know, environmentally, not so much. There was the bushfires and the floods and, it, yeah, it was, it was all a big, rich tapestry of disaster. But as far as COVID <laughs> went, I think we came out relatively unscathed. Um, <laughs> but so so young saying, and optimistic. Oh, besides the <laughs> fires and the plague and the... Uh, it was it was a good year. It was a good year. Yeah, I yeah. love it. No, I mean, environmental disasters is a whole different topic. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, all right. Where, where were we? Where were we? Sorry, I, yeah, so before I, I derailed you completely. This is still off topic. But oh, the, machine um, translation. That's okay. Yeah, so the COVID um, outbreak in Melbourne was largely, a lot of the blame was pinned on immigrant populations. Um, and a, a lot of that was due to misinformation. Um, and again, I don't, I'm, don't know everything about this I don't really want to speak on it too much but I think when you talk about whether they can provide machine translation I think that's a really interesting observation because clearly the interpreting and the translation services provided last year around like health advice and that sort of thing weren't adequate um and I'm sure they've been improved since but so, yeah it's just and, interesting and that's something that I'd really like to and I don't want to talk about it either not because I don't want to talk about it because I, I I'm not qualified to talk about it but I'd love to talk to somebody that is about um, the role of language in the um, you're, you're talking about certain communities, um, immigrant communities got blamed during the pandemic, and I'm, I'm assuming we're talking about um, Asian, we would call them Asian Americans, right here, here in the U.S. And there's there's been there was backlash against that, and there's there's movements, there's Stop Asian Hate, there's hashtags, there's um, all of these things, and I'm fascinated. I'm always fascinated to talk about the role that language and sp specifically access to language, language access, um, plays in stopping hate. I guess would be, mm. you know what I'm saying? Or, yeah, uh, that's that's a little yeah. melodramatic, perhaps. Uh, let, let's start with like access to welfare, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and then well. we'll yeah, I think that it is fair to make a connection, maybe not between hate, but between societal awareness, and that may be cultural more so than language, but societal awareness and tolerance. Mm. Like, there's definitely a link there. Um, so, this has yeah. been the year for societal awareness about many, many things. Mm. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway, speaking of awareness, speaking of <laughs> awareness, how are we going to keep awareness alive for these? God, that was a horrible segue. Um, talk to me about this. Language um, preservation projects. Who, who's, yeah, out there doing, who's out there doing good work in this area? What do we need to know about them? Um, this, is, this is, again, something that I 
haven't been able to find particularly con conclusive information on. And I think, so what I have found is that it's not very centralised. So you can find projects run by small community groups and, and that sort of thing all over Australia. Um, but finding really comprehensive information about which programs are run is difficult because everyone's running their own to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, and th so this is just a list that I, you know, I put up there. And this is probably applicable to the whole world, but these are yeah. some of the projects. I was going to say this, this stuff could apply anywhere um, yeah. because pretty much anywhere that was a colonial, had a colonial situation going on um has this challenge like we have it yeah. here in the pacific northwest there's um native languages that are going extinct and um yeah. i know our, our colleague bob drake and, and michael reed over at um multilingual yes. they've got connections to the tribes over there and they're we're always publishing stuff about that um in multilingual yeah, um, yeah. so i spoke with them actually in the research for, you did. for this yeah, and it was a very interesting conversation with both of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd love to chat again. <laughs> you get Bob and Michael in the same room, and you just sit back with the drink and just enjoy the ride. Yeah. It's, it's better than yeah. National Geographic Channel, I'm telling you. It was great. Yeah, definitely. They both know so much. But yeah, it, it was interesting as well to get um, an American perspective or a North American perspective. I don't know what the correct, how you guys like to refer to it. I identify as. No. <laughs> I don't know, American. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, us, us Americans, think how arrogant that actually is, that people from the United States of America refer to themselves as Americans, right? This has yeah. been pointed out to me quite a bit. Um, by who? Guess, South Americans. Like, why do you <laughs> Americans, you get to walk around. It's like how people who went to Berkeley, shout out Nika, say, oh, I went to Cal. There's other colleges in California. Oh, why do you get, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do I have another well, slide that I can awkwardly transition to here? Um, there probably is one. Or how, have we have we done this promote public usage of indigenous? Oh, I mean, this this slide's pretty much self-explanatory. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, it was just. Um, oh, this one. Okay. Do you maybe do you want to go yes. to the next slide first? If yes. There, if there's another one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more relevant. Yeah. So this one is just again reasonably self-explanatory, but this was just an example of a couple, so sort of of the decentralised system, but this is a couple of language programs that there are, and I know that there's hundreds more, um, but these two had, you know, a fair bit of information, um, and both of them actually are in New South Wales, hmm. and it's an interesting thing when we're talking about regulations and governments and that sort of thing earlier. Um, a lot of language access regulations are set at the state level, um, particularly when it comes to Indigenous um, languages. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, Northern Territory in Australia do quite well because I think it's like 51% of Indigenous language users live in the Northern Territory. So I don't know if that's the exact stat, but it's 50-something percent. Um, and so they obviously have a high demand for interpreting services and that sort of thing. Um, and they've got more, you know, children who are starting schools who you know, don't have any, perhaps any English background. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you look well, at different, different states have different, um, different levels, but these two are both in New South Wales. Um, and New South Wales was the first, first state to, I think, have a formal language protection policy. Oh. Um, and it was only, um, it was from 2017 and it was only implemented last year. So that shows you how far Australia That's has gone. It's, it's 
pretty good for government bureaucracy, if I don't say so. It's, uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> they'd still be having planning committees here in Washington State. So, okay, well, good, there you go. Good job, New South Wales. Good job, New South Wales, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so these are that was just two examples of, of, of language programs that are available so one of them is a school where I think 100% of the year seven students which for us is the first year of high school in New South Wales um, have to do well are expected I suppose to do a foreign language and that language is the oh. language prime pronoun. well that was kind of my question um is, is are these like instructing non-speakers of it or are these program like classes in native languages in the indigenous languages there's a combination okay um as far as i know and again i might i might be wrong on this but my understanding is that there's not actually any schools in australia who offer like the core curriculum in any indigenous languages okay, that's what i was asking um, yeah yeah uh then there might be a couple particularly maybe in central australia and thinking northern territory northern sa western australia i'm not sure um, but I haven't been able to find any. Um, and but does, yes, that, does that this... first one is for English speakers learning a foreign language. So that, I think that's awesome. I think that's way cooler hmm. because it's yeah. getting people excited about it. It's, I hate to say the word normalizing um, because that implies that it's not normal, to, um, but bringing it into the public, you know, dialogue, yeah. <laughs> literally bringing it into yeah. the public dialogue. Right. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. I think it's really cool. So I, I studied languages at university at yeah. the University of Adelaide, um, which actually offers, um, I think, Ghana. And in, so one of the indigenous languages, they, they only offer one, but they offer it. And I never considered taking it, to be honest. Um, and I kind of wish I had. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of language education in Australia is sort of Euro focused or maybe Asian focused now. Um, it's it's very much outward looking. So it's there's very, very few universities or schools that do offer Indigenous languages. I think there's seven universities offering seven different Indigenous languages around Australia, which actually is not a bad percentage uh, when it comes to the uh, universities. I was going to say, yeah. it's, it's better than zero, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. doing good. Let's go yeah. to BAM. This one. These are so this providers. A, yes. And this providers. is what I would love to learn more about. So, so th these, are, <laughs> these are the guys that you call, guys, <laughs> if you're ever like me and got stuck in a situation where it's like your client has a request for a language you've never heard of, an indigenous Australian. These are the guys you call. They'll hook you up. <laughs> They'll hook you up right yes. here. Let me bring them back on screen. Yes. Yeah. So the the biggest one is right in the middle there, the Aboriginal Interpreter Service mm -hmm. in Northern Territory. Uh, and that seems to be the one that most most companies will recommend. Um, it's sort of the biggest. Um, that and the Aboriginal Interpreting Western Australia um, company. So those two, um, yeah, tend to be promoted the most. Um and they offer, I think the Aboriginal Interpreter Service offers like 100 different languages or something like that. It was really cool. Um, 2M language services up there, that one was actually one that, so Sarah, one of the, a NIMSI colleague, um, is in touch with them. And so they have the, the government contract, I think, and correct me on this 2M language services if I'm wrong, but I think they hold the Queensland Indigenous Interpreting oh, okay. contract. Okay. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, then, Refer to yeah, Sarah maybe, for, for further yeah. clarification. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually, well, we've. Actual report is pending. <laughs> this yeah. is not a report. This is, this is more akin to a podcast than a report. So if you're watching this being like, you are wrong. Well, good. Yeah, Call us and tell us why we're wrong so we can put it yeah. in the report. Happy to be corrected on this because yeah, this is, this is still coming. I still need to learn these things. Um, but yeah, the, so the ABC multilingual is actually one in Adelaide. Um, and they are recommended. So the South Australian government has a, you know, a policy around interpreting for Indigenous languages and it um, on its website recommends the AIS and ABC multilingual. So that was sort of where I got some of the, I think Goldfields is also in Western Australia. So that's a brief summary, probably not the most interesting part of this podcast, but uh, of all the interpreting and translating and LSPs in Australia, they were the only ones that I could find that actually offer Indigenous interpreting or translating. And again, please correct me if I'm wrong. I would love there to be more. Um, but I thought that it was quite interesting that there weren't more. Yeah, it's one of those challenging things, you know, having been in the biz for a while. Like, I can tell you a lot, a lot of these agencies, like, they may be competing with each other, but they're probably calling the same people to actually yeah. fill the jobs, right? So it's like, yeah. it doesn't matter who the company is. And because of that, um, it's actually really hard to actually track and report on what services LSPs, language service providers actually offer. Because if if you call an LSP, who, who's gonna pick up the phone? Salesperson, right? Yeah. And you say, hey, can you give me, yes. <laughs> that's, that's always the answer, right? That's what I tell LSPs to say, like when we when we consult with LSPs. So yeah, it's yeah. one of those things that's really hard to track because if you called me at one of my past jobs, I didn't even work in interpreting. And he said, hey, Tucker, oh, I got this urgent project for, mm, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce those ones. And I've got a kid here that's asking it. for Legos. Ghana's the Ghana. Oh, that's Ghana, the way, okay. Yeah. Um, I had a client asking for Ghana. I'd be like, oh, Okay, yeah, sure, I can totally do that. I can totally do that. And then I'd call one of these guys. Yeah. So, yeah. That's what yeah. I said. I think it's um, the, the other challenge, I suppose, is that if there's only six speakers of a language, there's not going to be a formal interpreter because there's, you know, it, the likelihood of that is very low. So, that's one of the main challenges, I suppose, with providing interpreting for languages like this. Yeah, we, but, need, to get, we need to get Sarah on to talk about all of these challenges. And she can, yeah. you, you and her, I'm sure, could just geek out with her bringing the, the uh, interpreting background to it. I'm yeah. sure. Well, yeah. Hannah, I think I've run out of slides and I've got yeah. kids. <laughs> running in and out the sun's down i mean it may be friday and sunny for you but it's dark and still thursday for me so with that I'll, i want to say thank you very much for coming on it was a pleasure to have you once again if you guys are if you guys are watching if you guys have made it this far i think hannah agreed to go on with this yesterday i think yesterday was the first time you and i have ever spoken is that true yeah like one-on-one -on -one. Yes. So, yeah. which is, that's bad. That's, that's my bad as, no, I, I fail. I'm failing you guys. I need to do more outreach. So, um, thank you for being my, my victim. Any closing words? Oh, now you put me on the spot. On the spot. Um, <laughs> no, I, no, I don't think so. I guess, I mean, there's so much more you could say and there's obviously, it's a, it's a huge topic and a huge issue and, it extends far beyond Australia, but um, yeah, I don't know. No, no closing comments. Just that I hope 
everyone found it interesting because I find it very interesting. Well, we did. I did. I, I did, and I'm looking forward to having you back on. Maybe when the report's released, maybe when we got something else to go over. Um, with that, uh, thank you everybody for watching. Once again, this is published by NIMS Insights. We do market research and consulting, um, specifically for the language services industry, but really for anybody that wants to go global. A number of different ways that we do that through process audits, um, technology audits, um, market research. Um, uh, it's too late. I've been doing this too long. I can't give you guys a sales pitch. And I'm also noticing that my fonts are all messed up on that. So there goes my slick slideshow. Thank you, guys. We're going to quit while, it's head, while we are somewhat ahead. Ciao. Ciao. See you, Tucker. <laughs>